0: It is great to be here. My wife and I uh, feel absolutely thrilled to be back. We love you all. Let me tell you that. But uh, I want to really get going with this uh, because of the sake of time. And first of all, i got to say Merry Christmas because I might not see all of you, so I never get tired of saying that. I don't know about you. Merry Christmas to all of you. God bless you. Hope you had the very best Christ-centered Christmas you have ever had in your entire life. You know, as I kind of look back in uh, my life, Christmas has always been one of the best times. I don't know what it is for you, but... It's just been a great time in one way or another. It's, it's, i got to say, one season in my life that always comes around that makes me happy, It kind of lifts me up, it, it, it motivates me for the rest of the year, it's always Christmas. I, I like the way that people act with one another. And I don't, know, I don't know how that is with you and how you're feeling at this time. Do you feel as though... How many of you feel as though Christmas is the best time of year? Hands. Just give me a hand. Isn't that true? It's just one of the best times... Of the entire year. But it also, I can remember Christmases, I don't know if this has happened to you again, but I can remember Christmases that weren't so merry, at least in my life. I mean, things weren't always what I wanted them to be. Or at least I didn't feel like they were merry at the time or happy or anything like that. And maybe you again, you felt that way, just as you felt as though Christmas is the best of times. Christmas can also be a time that really brings a lot of heaviness, a lot of sadness. Even some depression during the course of your life. I mean, as much as the season lifts you up, the reality is it can lift you, it can bring you down. That same happiness, it's kind of like, and sometimes you feel almost like a yo-yo during the season. It's not always easy for all of us, and besides the pain and and the disappointments and the, the abuse that happens regularly when life happens, that doesn't take a break in Christmas. Yeah, we're feeling as though we should be filled with Christ and merry and happy and uplifted and a smile on our face, but yet life is happening. And we're saying, how, does, how can these two things be happening at the same time? I mean, I, I feel as though as a Christian I should be lifted up, I should be happy, and I should be sharing that with the world, but yet i got all these things on my back. All this stuff is kind of happening. So we find that as much as the smiles and the cheer and the merriment are, are, are part of this season, at least I've found this way, you know, there's a sadness and there can be a, a heaviness and a, even, again, as I said, a depression. And, you know, if you feel that way, there's nothing wrong with it either. That's reality. That's life. That's the contrast of life. There can be that happiness and that merriment, but at the same time there can be a real heaviness depending on the time of day even. I mean, what happened? What, 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 did the Merry Christmas fly away and now we got this? Or, or Christmases can be just as messed up as they can be merry. I don't know about you, but uh, I haven't been here for this series, but I think that you guys should be really excited about what's going on here. Because what we have found in the past two weeks, that in Jesus Christ, there's hope. Even when you're experiencing defeat, there's hope. There's peace for those who are in in troubled times and difficult times, whether it be in Christmas or the rest of the time of the year. And then today, I want you to discover something. I want you to discover the real joy in Jesus Christ. The real joy that's a part of this season. And it's not a joy that's just in December or maybe you know from Thanksgiving on until maybe New Year's and it kind of, kind of floats into January. You know, I'm talking about a joy, a joy that comes from heaven, a joy that can last for you all year round, a joy that can be a part of you, that dwells inside of you, that nobody can take away for the rest of the year. There's a secret to this joy that's not just for a season. Eleven years ago, to, almost to this day, from this very stage, I taught you a rhyme. Maybe some of you remember it, maybe some of you weren't here. I, got, I, got, I understand all of that, but I'm going to teach it to you one more time. It goes simply, this, it's very simple, and it goes with the word joy, J-O-Y. Can everybody say J-O-Y? J-O-Y. Very, very simple, and it's a rhyme. I'm not going to rap it because I haven't got the music behind me. <laughs> I haven't got that. And besides, I'm way too old for that. So, but it's a simple rhyme, and it kind of goes even with a Christmas song. But it's, J-O-Y, J-O-Y. This must surely mean Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. And it goes, J-O-Y, J-O-Y. This must surely mean Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. In between It sounds like a little kid's rhyme and it really is. We teach it in Sunday school. This J-O-Y, J-O-Y. But yet in it, it's the secret of joy that you can have that's going to last all year long. But does the Bible really teach that? Because you see, it's a nice little ditty. It's a nice little uh, chorus. It's a nice little song to sing, and you can kind of sing it to a nice little melody, and it's easy to remember and kind of keep in your head. But if it's not biblical, it's not real, in my opinion, because the truth is in the Word of God. I'd like you to go to Philippians chapter 2. If you have a Bible, if you have an app, take it out there and get to Philippians chapter 2 and we're going to see, because I really believe that there's a truth in this J-O-Y, J-O-Y. This must surely mean Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. And while you're kind of looking at, you know, looking up Philippians chapter 2, it's in the New Testament, uh, kind of toward near the end, but not quite there. i want going to give you two quizzes. Now, you do have two hands, most of you. You have a left hand and a right hand. You're going to use your right hand first. I'm going to give you the quiz, okay? And it's very simple. Every time you get something right, I want you to you know raise up a finger. That would be like if you got the first one right, you do a thumb. You got that? Now here's the real hard test. What are you going to do in the second time if you get it right? Very good, your index finger. And then you're going to go on and see how many you get right, okay? Some of you are going to be you know with a bare fist, clenching a fist at the end of it, and others of you may have a few fingers up, and many of you may even have a whole name. So here it goes. Here it goes. All right. Here's the first question. I would like you to name. The most valuable players in the National League and the American League this year. Okay, so if you can do that, okay, all you got to do is hold up your finger. Now, you got to be able to name their names, okay? Now, okay, you got that, all right? Now, here's the second one. Now Here's the second one. Here we go. Who won the last Miss Americas contest? Name her. It's a woman. I'll give you a hint. Okay? So if you, got the, if you got the baseball one, right, and then you got the Miss America, you got two fingers up. But if you don't, you still got a clenched fist. Here's, here's the third one. Here's the third one. Name the last two Nobel Peace Prize winners. I don't see anybody putting a finger up. I don't understand. So here we go, number four. Number four, going right through them. Who won the last New Jersey lottery? It would be important to them. All right, it's you. no. <laughs> That's why you bought that sweater. I got it. I was wondering why. (laughs) Okay. The the fifth one, name four winners of the last Grammys. Can you name one? Just one. Never mind, four. Okay. How many of you, how well did you do? You did okay on that one? We'll just wait just a minute because I got another quiz for you too. Now you're going to use your left hand for this one, okay? Those of you who are not ambidextrous, are going to have a difficult time, but you're going to use your left hand for this one. Name a teacher who helped you grow and learn. If you can remember that far back, and you can remember their name, put up a finger, put up your thumb, put up your thumb. The second one, name someone who makes you laugh. Okay, you got two. Some of you got two. All right, you got two. This is good. The third one, name someone whose life has inspired you. If you got the three of them, you can put up three fingers. You can put up three fingers. you got three fingers. The fourth one is this. Name someone who helped you through a tough time. Can you do that? That would give you four. Unless you got to do it that way, then that's tough. But you know, that's... Okay, that's so sweet. The last one, the last one. Who loves you and prays for you? Can you name somebody? How did you do on the first, the first quiz? How many of you got all five? Who's lying? Uh, did, no, who? who yeah, you I know, got to, uh, the first. I, I don't see anybody. You know, if you're like most people, you flunked the first quiz. But the reality is, didn't we get an awful lot on the second quiz? I mean, you think that we would remember the people who have done the very best in their profession or in their, you know, whether it be the Grammys or whether it be in baseball or whether it be in anything else? You think that we would we would remember the very best of the best? But the reality is when the lights go down and the trophies get tarnished, we forget them. Isn't that true? But who do we remember? Who do we remember in this life? The people who really matter exactly. The people who really mattered in our life. Those who made a significant contribution in our life. Those people we will never forget for the entire, our entire life. They meant something. They did something. They impacted us in one way or another. They weren't the superstars. They weren't in light. Their names will never be on the billboard, and they're never going to be in the history books. But the reality is those are the people that we're going to remember all of our life because they did something special. They touched our lives. People who really, really matter are not the folks in the big lights, don't have a star in the, a sidewalk in Hollywood. The people who really matter are people who put others first. The people who really matter are the people who put others first. And that's something that we all could do. We don't have to be super talented. We have to be super bright. We don't have to be gifted. We don't have to be, you know, put, uh, had a silver spoon in our mouth all of our life. Those who really matter in this life put others first in this life. Here's a thought. I just, just, just a thought I want you to go home with, okay? Just a thought. The one that we revere most in this room came as a servant. The one that we revere most always put others first. Okay, here we go. Philippians chapter 2. I'm sure you've gotten there by now. Uh, but I, I want to ask you a little question. We're going to start with the first two verses there so you can kind of hone in on those two. But, uh, you know, I've, I've heard this before. Says, so I love mankind. Oh! I love my, it's just people I can't understand, I I I can't stand them. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard that, but reality is, what it's saying is people rob us of our joy. We can be having a great Christmas, a wonderful season, or a wonderful life, and then something, somebody comes into our life, something happens, and they bring something into our life, and it just, just sucks the joy right out of us. There are people like that. And reality is, in Philippians chapter 2, that's what Paul is saying. You know where Paul is in Philippians chapter 2? He's in a Roman prison. I mean, you'd be thinking about, how could he possibly be thinking about joy? And yet he is. And he's in a Roman prison. He's not crazy. He's got a reason for it. Because he's taken the joy of Christmas. He's taken the secret to joy. And he lives it out every single day in his life, just like you and I can. He was writing this letter. I don't know if he was singing, J-O-Y, J-O-Y. This must surely mean Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. But he was singing something. Ephroditus, he was his friend, he was his brother in Christ. He had come a long way. He had come from Philippi, which is all the way over in Greece. And and here's Paul all the way over in Italy, what is present-day Italy and Rome. And he came with them, and he he came with them with a generous gift, and it just lifted Paul's heart, and he came with him with all the love of the church of Philippi, and they said, we love you so much, Philippi. It's like me coming back here. It's just, we love you. It's just wonderful, the love that we have. We love you. You love us. It's just wonderful. But then he brought other news that just sapped the joy right out of Paul. He says, but there's division, and there's arguments and contention in the church. And Paul's heart just sunk. Paul writes in, in, in the first two verses, we can go there now, It says, therefore, he's appealing to the people that, that love him and he loves them and, and followers of Christ, he says, therefore, if you have any encouragement, whatsoever, if you have any encouragement from being unif- uh, united with Christ, if he says, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and in one mind. In other words, he was saying, you know, lift me up as I lift up Christ. As I follow him, you follow me. You see, all joy, what Paul was saying is, and this is, you've got to connect this, you've got to understand this. All joy begins with being connected with Jesus Christ. It's the first step with joy. If you're depressed, if you're feeling down, the first step, it's not going to, you've got to go another part of the journey. But the first step is getting really personally connected. Not just knowing about, but really personally connected with Jesus Christ. That's what this season is all about. And that's why this season has so much joy. Because people are connecting with Jesus. They may never touch him, never hear the word. Not even Merry Christmas, nothing with Christ in it whatsoever. But in this month they are. And the whole country is lifted up. Everybody always remarks it. The difference that Christmas has. There are many levels that we can connect with our Lord, with Jesus Christ. Paul writes about a few. He says, God's strength when we're weak God has a strength that comes up within us and he makes us strong where we should not be strong. That's what happens in the connection. We can connect with his comfort in times that we're distressed and all stressed out. His comforter comes before us and we're mourning and we're so sad but yet the comforter of the Holy Spirit comes and lifts us up. We can connect when we need encouragement because God will encourage us when we're feeling so down and destroyed and beaten. We can connect on another level with Jesus, with his love, when we're feeling lonely. And how about Christ's tenderness, when we can feel the very touch of God on our heart and our mind, when we're about to just break down and cry, and yet Jesus with his tenderness comes when we feel so abused, and used, and forgotten. That's our Jesus. We can all connect on those levels. It's free for all of us to come. And he says, come unto me. But if you have ever connected, if you've ever wanted to connect, and you're not connected even right now with Jesus Christ, and you've been desiring it, and you would like to find that there is, you're going to find that when you connect with Jesus, even on on those levels, you're going to find a joy in that connection. You're going to find a joy in that experience with Him that comes with that connection. And and this joy, it's out of this world. It's not measured like you have joy with just being in another person's presence or because you received something or you bought something or something like that. That joy is here and then is there. This is a joy that lasts. This is a joy that builds up. It's, It's a joy that you feel complete with and full with. It just doesn't touch your funny bone. It touches your whole being if I might say that. Once you get that connection with Jesus Christ, once you start to be influenced by Jesus Christ in your life, in your workplace, and in the way you talk, and the way you think, and the way you act, once he enters into your thought life, once he enters into your family life, once he enters into your workplace and starts to transform you, you are going to discover the secret to real joy. But it all starts with that connection. With Jesus Christ. His, his life is like a wonderful fragrance that you just can't get off and you don't even want to get it off. It rubs off on you. And, and his fragrance of love, his fragrance of, of compassion, his, his fragrance of courage, his fragrance of grace, of grace rather it, it, it lingers on your soul and on your heart when you've had this connection with Jesus Christ. I don't know how many times when I've felt down, when I went into the prayer closet, and I felt as though, you know, nothing nothing is changing in my circumstances. Everything seems to be coming down. Nothing that I planned or I wanted is coming into fruition. But yet when I get out of that, when I get into the presence of Jesus Christ, when I spend time with him, sometimes it's only five minutes, sometimes it's 10 minutes, I come out of that place just lifted up. Nothing else has changed, but God has changed me. And there's a real joy inside of my heart. I don't know if you've ever been there. I want you to go there. I want you to experience that place. It's wonderful. It transforms your thinking and, and it gives you a new attitude. And Paul writes about this new attitude. If you look again, Philippians chapter 2, we'll just continue on with verse 3. Paul says this Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, there's an attitude for you, being humble. In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And even in your relationships with your kids, with your husband, with your wife, with your friends, with your people that you work with, even in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Isn't isn't that really the attitude that makes Christmas special? That kind of humility, that kind of giving spirit, we've even mentioned it here, where we think more about the other person, it's not about us, but the reality is we get something, we give something, whether it be time, whether it be a meal, whether it be a present, whether it be something else, I don't know, we give them a song, we give them a card, we, you know, we give them a text, you we, are always thinking about the other person, and, and by so many people doing that, the whole atmosphere of our city changes. We call it the Christmas spirit, but the reality is that joy that's in us comes from a connection with our Lord Jesus Christ and does not have to stop at Christmas. Joy comes with the right attitude. See, selfishness has no place in the mind of the believer, it's there in us. I mean, let's be honest, you know, transparent. It's there. That selfishness, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Connecting with Jesus moves us from that self-centeredness and selfishness to be others-centered. If we're following him, if we're living like him, if if we have the fragrance of his love all about us. I mean, and you know, taking care of others and caring for others, you know, that doesn't mean you go around getting beat up. Or, or you're, you know, some sort of doormat or something. That doesn't mean that you don't take care of yourself. Or you, it, it doesn't mean that you're just there for, to, for others to use or abuse. I'm not talking about that whatsoever. It just means taking care of other people, caring for them, loving them. And, and it, really, a humble person doesn't think less of themselves. Because it, it, it takes a, a good ego and a good self-esteem to be able to. Be humble. I'm not talking about being humiliated. I'm talking about having a humble attitude in life. Humble. What's that attitude? You see, a humble person, as I said, doesn't think less of himself, simply more and more of others. Someone said, a humble person doesn't think less of himself, but he doesn't think of himself at all. He's always trying to care, to serve, and to bless others, no matter where he or she goes. Isn't it true that your outlook determines your outcome? Your attitude determines your altitude in life? All that's been said. Now, if if your attitude is selfish, then your outcome will always be destructive. And that's what Paul was dealing with in a church. They loved him. He loved them. But the reality is, because of their selfishness, in addition to their love, they were destroying one another and ripping each other apart, which was killing Paul, the very one that they loved. Divisions and destruction. They happen in families. And they happen in churches where people are not others-centered, but self-centered and selfish. In one way or another. It's an attitude. It kind of flows like the fragrance of Christ flows. So can the attitude of selfishness and and, and self-centeredness. Paul says, get your attitude right. That's what he's saying here. And I believe it's in verse 5. He said, get your attitude right. Make it like Christ. Take a look at verse 5 again. It says, in our relationships with one another have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Well, what is that mindset? Who, being in very nature God, the greatest of the greatest, infinite, being in the nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage while he was doing his ministry here. But rather, the Scripture says, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human form. And I, I got, you've got to center on that verse 7 because it's a secret here. It's something that I don't want you to miss here. He's saying, now, he, God became a man by being... He, he said, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Do you see the parallel there? How do you become human? What is the most human asset or attribute that we are all supposed to have. Not the ruined attribute, but the attribute that God originally created us when he created Adam. And when he came as the second Adam, he recreated in us who are in Christ Jesus. If you'll notice, it's right there. He says he, he made himself nothing, what? He became human by taking the very nature of a servant. And so therefore, how is he going to become as a servant? There's only one way in this earth to become as a servant, a true servant, to become human. We were created to be servants. Now all of us want our names in light. We want to be important. We want to have the, uh, the, the money and the influence and all that. We want to be lifted up. We want to be recognized. When the reality is the true human nature, the kind of human nature that God wants and God created and made perfect is that of a servant. So if we're walking in Christ, if we are trying to become as Christ wants us to be, if we're trying to become like the second Adam and not the first Adam, then what's the very thing that we have to do? Become a servant. Think of others. People who were created to serve. Every one of us, we were created to serve. Who were we created to serve? Everybody say others. That's right. Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. See, we were not made to be selfish or to be vain. That's not our nature. It's simply not. That's sin's damage in us. When we're acting in that, we're acting out of our wounded, damaged soul. The wounds of Satan work on our soul. And they make us selfish and they make us self-centered. Pride comes out in our personality. And there's a lot of damage done. Think about this. Satan was once the highest of all angelic beings. You know that his name was Lucifer. And his, you know, he was he was in charge of the worship. He was, you know, he was you know, next to God, you might. He was created being, but he was next to God. He was the highest of the angelic being, close to the very close to the throne. But he desired to be on God's throne. It wasn't enough that he was close. No, no, no. He had to be on desired clothes. He said, I will rule, I will be God. Everyone's eyes must be on me. It was about I will, I will, I will. And yet Jesus came, who is God, as a man. And he said, no, your will be done. What a contrast between Satan and Jesus. One who wanted to be exalted and served. And the other one said, no, I will serve others even to my death on the cross. And I will say, your will, Father, not my will. What a difference. Christ's humility stands in direct contrast to Satan's selfishness and pride. We were made to be humble. Take a look again, verse 8. He says, and being found, this Jesus, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. In other words, he said that was natural. Without sin's damage, because Jesus Christ is without sin, the only man to live without sin, without sin's damage, man's naturalness is to be humble and to serve. Christ showed us what it was supposed to be like, we are supposed to be like. We are supposed to be Christ followers, folks, not Christ admirers. And there's a difference. My own question with myself is, and maybe this is a question that you can ask yourself as well, what do I have to do in me to look more like him? How can I become the servant of servants? What has to change here that I could become humble naturally? Naturally. Not just at Christmas, when I love to have the grandchildren and the children and the presents and say, hey, hey, Merry Christmas. It's all wonderful. We wrap it all up in January, and then we become these mean, selfish suckers for the rest of our lives. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that's you. I'm talking me, you know. What can we do to have that joy inside of our heart that we might become humble, that we might be the servants of all? We need to do just that. Be humble and become the servants and all. And the joy of Christmas lasts into January, February, March, April, May, even July. Can't believe it. His joy was found, that Jesus Christ's joy was found in serving others. His humility and his joy reached its highest point when he was taking care of other people. Even to the max. Take a look again in verse 8. It says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. How? By becoming obedient unto death. Even death on the cross. Nothing for himself. All for others. Now I'd like you to notice something. Verse Starting with verse 9. He did not become less because he humbled himself. He did not become less. Some of us think, if I humble myself, if I become a servant to everybody, then everybody's just going to walk all over me and I'm going to become less. Could that be for God too? He showed us what it was like to be a true man and a woman of God, what we were supposed to be created to be. And he says in verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth, And under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's lifted up. And if that is the result of humility, I think an awful lot of us will get on that wagon train. We have been deceived by the lie that if we serve, we will be nothing. The reality is... If we serve, we will be exalted. And not only will we be exalted, we'll live in joy. Rather than thinking that things are just never going to go our way and be destroyed and depressed and how hard that is. The reality is Christ became more. And you will too if you serve other people and you walk in humility with an attitude like Jesus did. See, joy is found in working out the purposes of Jesus Christ in our life. Life isn't about you. It's certainly not about me. I can tell you that. It's about the purposes of Christ worked out and in and through us. And only those who are connected with Jesus Christ are going to start on that journey. There's no other way. The others, the selfish, the self-centered, Let me tell you, their life ends in destruction. And as a matter of fact, it doesn't only end that way. It it, it just travels with them. Destruction and hurt and pain. Discord. There's no joy in them. But that's not you. I know it's not you. That's not how you want to be. That's not your attitude. That's not where you're going. Take a look at verse 14. We're going to wrap this up. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Become as a servant so that you may become blameless and pure in God's sight. Children of God without a fault, though we live in a warped and crooked generation. And don't we? And then you know what's going to happen? Then you will shine. Then you will shine among the darkness like stars. Like stars. Real joy is in following Christ and following Christ alone, and serving others along the way. I want to end with this story. There was this elderly woman, and she was uh, driving home, and it's was in the winter. It was Christmas time, and uh, uh, it was raining. It was kind of one of those rain, sleet kind of things happening, and she got a flat tire in the city, right here, near here. And she just kind of drove off to the side, and she got out, and she was just too old. She wanted to change. She didn't have AAA. She didn't know what to do, and she was just standing there getting soaking wet, and this guy comes along, and he says, hey, hey, he says, "Uh, I I see you you got a problem. He says, can I help you? And she said, yeah, my my tire's flat. And he says, well, my name's Brian. He says, I'm going to help you out. let me change your tire for you. He says, you just go in the car, you get warm, you stay there, and I'm going to change your tire for you. She says, oh, thank you, thank you so much. So he changed the tire. It was nothing for him. He says, you know, that's no big deal. He said, in 10 minutes, I had the tire off. I had the new one on. It was, you know, zip, 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 and she kind of rolled down the window, and she said to him, she said, you know, what is it you want? Just name your price. I'll give it to you. It doesn't really matter. He says, no, I didn't do it for that. He says, you know, I, I just did it because you were in need and I wanted to help you out or something like that. He says, no, I, I really got to pay you. He says, if you want to pay, if you want to pay me, he says, my name's Brian. He says, if you want to pay me, he says, the next time you see somebody in need, he says, you help them out. You give something to them and you think of me. Okay? She says, oh, all right. She rolled up the window, you know, and he kind of took off. And he knew he could have needed the money because things were not going well with his family and, and his job and all that kind of stuff. But it was more important for him. And that's who he was. He, 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 was, he was just going to help somebody out. So she gets in her car, and, it, you know, she's soaking wet. She's cold, and she goes down a few miles, and she sees a diner. and She says, I just need a cup of tea. I need something. I need a cup of, you know, something to keep me warm or something like that before I take off. I need to calm my nerves because this has been very nerve-wracking. She says, I, you know, I I'd give anything to that guy, you know, just to change my tire because I was really afraid. So she goes into the diner, and there's, there's a waitress who comes up to her, and, and uh, she's pregnant. And uh, uh, she looks like she 's about to deliver and that kind of stuff, and looks like her, her feet are really hurt, and she 's been on her feet a long time and but the the waitress she thought of the she saw the older lady and she said, "Here, have a towel, she brought a towel, dry your hair, get yourself you know okay and she 's served her her meal and her, her tea and all the rest of that kind of stuff and, and so she says the woman was just kind of thinking of Brian and was thinking, of "This how could this lady? I mean, she's she'd be thinking about herself and how difficult things are in this time of her life. You know, how could she be thinking of an older woman like me? And she's so kind." And automatically, she says, "Brian." So she put a hundred dollar bill down because the bill was only like less than twenty bucks. And as the lady went to go and take it and to go make change, she snuck out the front door. And the waitress came over to the, the thing, and there was a napkin, and, 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 and there was a note on it, and it says, you owe me nothing. She said, I've been there, and somebody helped me. And I just want to give that to you. And the lady picked up, the, the waitress picked up the napkin, and there was four more $100 bills there. She took her $500, and she just started to cry. Because, you know, things weren't going well in her house, and she was pregnant, and she was expecting a baby. She was working all kinds of hours just to get some money ahead so that they could have this child. So anyway, she went home that night, and, you know, her husband would not working, and was going to have to get up early the next morning. He was already sleeping in bed. And she just kind of, like, leaned over toward him, and she got into bed, and she said, everything's going to be all right. She had the $500 in her hand. Everything's going to be right. And she kissed him, and she said, good night, Brian. I love you. Let me tell you something. There's somebody who has done everything for you. Absolutely everything that you need has been done already and has already served you. Asks for nothing, nothing in return. He just simply says this. The next time you see somebody in any kind of need whatsoever, maybe you're listening here, it's not just some change, Maybe you help with a tire. I don't know what it is. says, you go and help them, and then you think of me. My name's Jesus. You just think of me. Isn't that the way the house of God's supposed to be? Isn't that the way we're supposed to take Christmas to the rest of the year? Isn't that the way we're supposed to live in the joy of Jesus Christ, that we get to participate in his ministry and his life? Real joy is, fo- is found in following Jesus Christ. There's a secret. Him alone and serving others in his name. Now maybe, maybe you need to ask for some forgiveness in your own life for being selfish or self-centered. And you, you can do that right now because God is listening. God is there. God, God's there with open arms and with all kinds of love. Maybe you need to ask God for a new attitude. An attitude not of driving and and achieving, and there's nothing wrong with some of those things, but it's, it's, it's a wrong attitude to live life with, but a life of serving others and being humble. Maybe you need to devote yourself to others and make a commitment here today that I am going to see everybody I see and see what their needs are, and I'm going to serve them in Jesus' name, because Jesus has certainly served me. Why don't you just take a moment, and you deal with God as you're going to deal with God. And just close your eyes, make a commitment to him, ask forgiveness of your sins, especially those that were selfish, the wrong ambition, the wrong mindset. You're going to make a commitment, I'm going to change. I'm going to keep Jesus in mind, because he's always there for me. I'm going to do what he would have done. Give me new eyes to see and ears to hear the people who are in need around me, my God. Maybe you can whisper that prayer. But then maybe there are some of you here who don't know Jesus Christ at all, and you need to get connected. You need to make the first step. If you want to, maybe you can just raise your hand up and say, yes, that's me, I I, I need that. I need Jesus. I need to make that first step. It's, it's, it's not hard. It's, it's not like you got to do, jump over hoops or through hoops. and You just say, God, I'm a sinner, and I've lived the wrong kind of life. Forgive me. Accept me as your son. Accept me as your daughter, because I believe that what you did on the cross forgave me of my sins. I want a new life in Christ. I want that joy that I've missed out. And I want it year-round. In Jesus' name. My Lord, my God, I pray a blessing upon everyone here in this house. That, Lord God, that they would have the joy that we call the joy of Christmas, which is really the joy of serving others, the joy of Jesus Christ in us. And walking out what you have done. Lord, I pray that joy on everyone here, not only through the 25th, but through all of 2020 as well. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Go serve somebody. God bless you.